Hi, this is Carly, Recovered Alcoholic. Welcome back to North Star Big Book, Episode 4. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. This is a big book study that we get to take with us. It can be used either to listen to, just to fill your head with awesome solution, or you can open up your book and get a pencil or a pen and a highlighter and study along with me so you have tons of information in your book to take people through. The reason why this is called North Star Big Book is because the North Star is what sailors use in the dark when they can't find their way home. The Big Book is what I've been using since January of 1999 to find my way home. Okay, we are in the forward to the second edition at the bottom of the page. So my I have a third edition, <clears throat> so I'm on... XVII, I think it's like a page off. Um, the last paragraph at the way bottom of the page is with the appearance of the new book. So we just typed, talked about the two kinds of AA. And Alcoholics Anonymous just got the name Alcoholics Anonymous in November of 1939. So we're at the way bottom and it says, with the appearance of the new book, a great deal began to happen, and I bracketed the name Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick, and I wrote benefactor, because that's, again, someone who helps. And I wrote on the bottom, want to keep the message the same. So I want to remember that we kept carrying the message, and it, all these different people kind of, they tried to help us, and they did help us, but the most important thing for us is that we want to keep the message the same. On the next page, it says, the noted, noted clergyman reviewed it with approval. In the fall of 1939, and here's another benefactor, I wrote it, benefactor above Fulton Orsler, then editor of Liberty, printed a piece in his magazine called Alcoholics and God. This brought a rush of 800 frantic inquiries into the little New York office, which meanwhile had been established. Each inquiry was painstakingly answered. Pamphlets and books were sent out. Businessmen traveling out of existing groups were referred to these prospective newcomers. New groups started up, and it was found to the astonishment of everyone that A's message could be transmitted in the mail as well as by word of mouth. Above A's message, I wrote the big book. That's our message. That is where our message is. That is our textbook, and that's how it was transmitted. And it just blows my mind. They, were, they by hand or typewriter, wrote back to 800 frantic inquiries, and I complain in my head when I have to message my girls back on a text message that takes me one minute. It says, by the end of 1939, it was estimated that 800 alcoholics were on their way to recovery. So it went from 100 to 800 just from that little article. In the spring of 1940, and I bracketed John D. Rockefeller Jr., another benefactor, gave a dinner for many of his friends to which he invited AA members to tell their stories. News of this got on the world wires, inquiries poured in again, and many people went to the bookstores to get the book Alcoholics Anonymous. I underline the next sentence. By March 1941, the membership had shot up to 2,000, and I wrote the word fast. The reason why I wrote this word is to highlight how fast the membership goes up just from the publication. On the side of this paragraph, I wrote... Cleveland Central Office boomed in 1940, and so did sponsorship. Cleveland Central Office boomed in 1940, and so did sponsorship. The reason why sponsorship 
was so exciting and clear then was because people were sponsoring out of the big book. There were not a thousand meetings a week then in Cleveland. There were people taking the book, going from place to place, and helping each other with the book. It says, then I, under, I bracketed Jack Alexander, and again I wrote Benefactor, wrote a feature article in the Saturday Evening Post and placed such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us. I underlined deluged us, and that means overwhelmed us. By the close of 1941, AA numbered 8,000 members. So in two years, it went from 800 to 8,000. The mushrooming process was in full swing. AA had become a national institution. Our society then entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. And I like that they use the word adolescent because I think of adolescence as a period of growth that's not always comfortable and awkward. And they're going to describe that that's what happened, which is eventually going to lead to our traditions. Remember, we don't make up traditions or rules or guidelines until something keeps happening that's not working. So I imagine before they ever created crosswalks, a lot of people kept getting hit in the middle of the streets. And they were like, hey, we need to figure out a way for people to have a place to walk. And that's actually what ended up happening in AA is during our adolescent period, Imagine a bunch of alcoholics who are trying to recover together in a room and in other rooms and stuff comes up and they need guidelines to follow. It says the test that it faced was this. Could these large number of erstwhile, which means formally, erratic alcoholics successfully meet and work together? Would there be, I underline, quarrels over membership, leadership, and money? And I wrote on the side red flags. So the reason why I write red flags here is because when I fight over membership, leadership, and money, that's going to be something that could stand in the way of us being useful. Would there be strivings for, I underline, power and prestige? And again, I wrote red flags. I also notice that whenever they have traditions in Alcoholics Anonymous, they also would apply to how I want to interact at work, how I want to interact in families, how I want to interact with relationships, and that most of the time the application would help me. I wrote on the top of the next page, traditions protect us by providing unity. Traditions protect us by providing unity. And we're about to read one of my favorite traditions at the end of this paragraph. I also heard two members of Alcoholics Anonymous who ended up marrying each other. And they said that they um, reminded themselves of this often and that it is what keeps their relationship going. It says here, would there be schisms which would split AA apart? Soon AA was beset by these very problems on every side and in every group. But out of this frightening and at first disrupting experience, I underlined the rest of the paragraph. The conviction grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. We had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. So I love the idea that we have to stick together or we're going to die alone. And I love that idea about the unity of our fellowship. And that's a principle. And the tradition I'm thinking of that this couple talked about in their relationship was that they needed to place the welfare of the group ahead of the welfare of the individual. So they needed to place what was in the best interest of the family or the couple 
ahead of what was in the best interest of ourselves, which I'm always looking into the best interest of myself. So this is something I need to be reminded of. The next paragraph I bracketed, I wrote 12 traditions. So this is where our 12 traditions come from. As we discover the principles, remember that we are the first 100 men and women and then many more. And excuse me for any slurping. I'm drinking my green tea and it is excellent and I need it in order to get through. As we discover the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. It was thought, I underline, that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded from our society. That our leaders might serve but never govern. That each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. There was to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions. There was to be the least possible organization even in our service centers. Our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion. It was decided that all members ought to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and films, and in no circumstance should we give endorsements, make alliances, or enter public controversies. What is so interesting, if you stay sober long enough and you join a home group like I was guided that I need to do immediately, they have something called home group meetings. And I've lived in four different states and I've had a number of different home groups and I'll tell you, everyone in AA has different purposes and different gifts and different ways that they can be most effective. My way to be most effective is not in a home group meeting. I am impatient and exhausting and my ADD is all over the place and I don't want to discuss coffee expenses and cookie expenses and all the many things that I've been in home groups for. I've had to make amends to home group meetings. Um, I was at a home group once for years where the home group meetings were like an hour and they were once a month and they were horrible. And I learned a lot from them. And what I learned when we started my home group that we've been doing for the last five and a half years is our home group meetings are going to be as short and simple and as infrequent as humanly possible because we wanted to focus our attention on what we were doing in the meeting and not all the other stuff. But that's just my experience. So it says, This was a substance of AA's 12 traditions, which are stated in full on page 564 of this book. Though none of us, none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference held at Cleveland. I underline the next sentence. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has. And again, we always place what is best for our group ahead of what is best for the individual. While the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. For this, there were two principal reasons. The large numbers of recoveries and I underlined reunited homes because those are just such beautiful promises. And it says these made their impressions everywhere. Of alcoholics who came to AA, I underlined and really tried, and I'm assuming that really tried means they worked the program, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who I underlined stayed on with AA showed improvement. So I wrote on the side 75% sobriety around this time period. Other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program. 
but great numbers of these, about two out of three, I underlined, began to return as time passed. I wrote on the side, alcohol brought them back. So the beauty of AA is I never have to make anyone stay here, and I don't have to drag anyone back here, because alcohol and alcoholism does a better job than I ever could. Something I want to note here. So when I listen to Joe and, Tar Joe and Charlie, they talk about um, this recovery rate, and I've heard... Along, along the rooms that it's about 3 to 5% recovery rate today of people who come in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and who actually stay sober. And I just want to take a moment to discuss this. This statistic um, sounds scary. And if I was new or not new, it wouldn't make me feel very confident. What statistic I like to share with the people I'm working with is the one that I've experienced in the last 18 years and 11 months since I've been here, which is 100% of the people who are alcoholics, who are taken through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous from the cover until 164 with somebody who does that work and who continues to do that work. And if that person never stops doing the work out of the big book, 100% of them stay sober. The success rate is perfection. I've actually never ever seen a person do the work out of the big book consistently, never stop and not stay sober. I've seen people go to meetings consistently every single day, have service positions, be on committees, be greeters, shake hands, not drink and not stay sober in between all of that mess because they're not actually doing the work. They're just attending meetings. And one of the things I've heard in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous that's not in our book is meeting makers make it. And then one of the things I've heard my mom say is meeting makers make it to meetings. And that's about it. So I kind of have a choice between do I want to be a seat filler in AA and just take up space or do I want to come in here and change? And for me, I did not get sober and leave that life that I was barely living in to come to church basements and sit on folding chairs with yucky coffee with random strangers just to attend meetings because I want to change. I want to become free. I want to live a life that's exciting to me. And the only place I've ever seen the offer and the actual results of change in AA are through the book and the steps. Okay. Another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends. Friends in medicine, religion, and the press together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates. Without such support, AA could have made only the slowest progress. So basically they're just reminding me to not knock anybody, to not come in here and bash medicine or religion because these people have helped us get to where we are today. And I remember when I got sober, I hated religion and I hated psychiatry and I hated doctors because no one could help me. But when my sponsor helped me look at it honestly, I was only focusing on very small things and I wasn't being honest about that I was dishonest when working with all the doctors. That I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to be doing and I was telling them half-truths and that was probably scary and exhausting to work with. Um, the next paragraph says, Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization, neither does AA take any particular medical point of view. I underlined, though <clears throat> we cooperate widely with men of medicine as well as men with religion. This is a principle. 
It's also a reminder that I am not a doctor and I am not, and even if I am a doctor, I'm not your doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not licensed to help you get on or off your medication. I am merely an alcoholic who is recovered, who can help you through the 12 steps with my experience, strength, and hope. And then it's just going to go on to talk about all the different people and religions and sprinklings of Buddhists and Jews and how our membership is growing. I'm on to the last page of this forward. At the way bottom of that last paragraph, it says, Upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Super important point here. And I bracket this part. I don't have the only solution to getting sober. I have a solution that is found in the program of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous called The Twelve Steps. AA offers only one solution, and it's the 12 steps out of this book. There are other solutions to stay sober, but if a new person comes to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, they are hoping and expecting to get a solution from AA, not from my sponsor or my friend or my mom or my treatment center. My job is to carry the message, not my message. It says, Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book. And above the word answer, I underlined the word answer and I wrote to the mental obsession. Because that's the answer we're looking for. The answer to the physical allergy is to not drink. I can become sober by getting arrested, getting put in treatment, or getting on medication or whatever to stop drinking. Or I can stop drinking myself. My real problem is I can't stay stopped on my own because of my mind. And I underline may begin to find one of the pages of this book because the answer is in this book. And I wrote in big letters on the side, answer is in the book. You're going to hear me talking about it again and again and again. That the book keeps reminding me, hey guys, this book has the answer you're looking for. It says, and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. And these are promises that I'm going to become free. I wrote a bunch of stuff in this big blank space. I wrote, Fellowship of AA has gotten away from the program in the book called Alcoholics Anonymous. The Fellowship of AA has gotten away from the program in the book called Alcoholics Anonymous. And what I'm talking about here is that if I go to 100 meetings randomly in any city, I'm pretty confident to say it's going to be very hard to hear a very clear message of what a new person needs to do in order to stay sober other than to not drink, to go to meetings, to keep coming back because it will get better. Those, that information is not in our book. And actually it completely contradicts what the book says about the mental obsession. If I was able to just go to meetings and not drink, then that would be an awesome plan and I would only take an hour out of my whole day. But I have a mental obsession and that needs to be treated. So I have written, Fellowship of AA has gotten away from the program in the book called Alcoholics Anonymous. And I, I wrote, our responsibility to carry the message in this book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Our responsibility to carry the message in this book, Alcoholics Anonymous. And then I wrote, take them by the hand and lead them through the 12 steps out of the book. Take them by the hand and lead them through the 12 steps out of the book. 
So it's a reminder that it's my responsibility to carry the message in this book. And I remember saying to my sponsor, I can't help anyone. And she would say, can you read? And I was like, yeah, barely. Um, and she's like, well, then all you have to do is read the notes that you wrote down and read the book. And as you read it, each time you read it to a new girl, you'll start explaining it and you'll start understanding it better. And when you have to explain it to her, you're going to start to get it better. And you're going to be able to transmit it because you're going to be doing it yourself. I don't have to have a certain amount of sobriety in order to do this. I just need to be doing the work. And then I wrote a couple of other things. I wrote the word powerless, and next to the word powerless, I wrote step one. And next to step one, I wrote problem. So in a row, I have the word powerless, step one, problem. Then I made like a little arrow from powerless, and underneath it, I wrote power. And then next to power, I wrote step two. And next to step two, I wrote greater than human. So it can't be my sponsor. It can't be my boyfriend. It can't be my phone. It needs to be something bigger than a human. And then underneath power, I made a little arrow. And I wrote how to find power. How to find power. And in the parentheses, I wrote spiritual program of action spiritual program of action and I wrote steps 3 through 12 on the side. So steps 3 through 12. So step 1 is the problem that's I'm powerless over the physical allergy and the mental obsession. Step 2 is I need a power and it has to be bigger than a human and I'm not it. Step 3 through 12 helps me find the power through the spiritual program of action, the decision and then the action. And then the last thing I wrote down and you don't have to write this or you can, I find it to be extremely helpful. One of my favorite brothers in arms in AA is a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous named Josh G. And he um, served in our military. And when he was away in one of those um, really scary war-torn places, he said that when he was going through a minefield, he would ask himself this question. Do I want to follow the footsteps that the first 100 laid before me, or do I want to try and figure it out myself? So I like I'm very visual, so I picture like Josh in his like fatigues with his like weapon above his head, and he's like slowly walking super duper slowly because at any moment he could step on something that could trigger a bomb that could blow him and his you know, other guys and women, you know, to death. And so I think of him choosing to walk exactly where the person went in front of him and where they went and where they went because he doesn't want to blow up. And what Alcoholics Anonymous is to Josh, the way he explained it, is that he wants to walk in the footsteps of the first 100 men and women rather than trying it himself, which is what I've always done. So thank you, Josh, for your service and for that reminder. Forward to the third edition. By March 1976, when this edition went to the printer, the total worldwide membership of Alcoholics Anonymous was conservatively estimated at more than 1 million, with almost 28,000 groups meeting in over 90 countries. Um, on the bottom of this page, I wrote, meetings are not recoveries. Meetings are not recovery. So I can go to meetings. Again, meetings are where I go to carry the message, to hear the message to help somebody else, to hear how people get through life and, and trials and tribulations. 
but meetings will not keep me sober. I need to do the actual work. The next paragraph is just talking about all the different changes in the fellowship. The next paragraph, I underline the first sentence. It says, the basic principles of the AA program, it appears, hold good for the individuals with many different lifestyles, just as the program has brought recovery to those of many different nationalities. And then they're going to talk about the different ways to say the 12 steps. And every time I say it, I sound like an idiot. So I'm going to just pass that part. And I'm going to go to the way bottom of that paragraph. And I underline, but they trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's what we were just talking about, that I want to follow the path. I think of the big book as a treasure map. And it lays out exactly what I need to do and what I need to not do. And these people that wrote it all say, almost all of them died sober. And, and the promises that they made to me in this book are something that I want. And an alcoholic doesn't do any work unless they're going to get something for it. And I want what they're promising here. I wrote on the side, follow the recipe because they did what the book says. Follow the recipe because they did what the book says. So that goes back to the cake and the recipe that I talked about before. If I want the cake that the first 100 members are offering me, then I need to follow the recipe that's written in the book. And the recipe has been changed into many different languages, but the recipe doesn't change. I bracketed the next paragraph, and it says, In spite of the great increase in the size and the span of this fellowship, at its core, it remains, I underlined, simple. And I wrote on the side, recovery is what taking others through the book and the steps. Recovery is taking others through the book and the steps. So going through the big book and going through the studies together and going through the steps, that's recovery. One alcoholic with another alcoholic or one alcoholic with four other alcoholics. But that's what recovery is. Going through the book and the steps. Meeting for coffee and talking about my feelings and my boyfriend and my relationship and my cat and my divorce and my job and my parents are great things to do with a friend or a therapist, but that is not recovery. It says, um, at its court remains simple. I underline that and I underline impersonal. And I wrote above that one-on-one. -on -one. It says, each day somewhere in the world, I underline again recovery and I wrote above that 12 steps. Recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, sharing experience, strength, and hope. And I wrote underneath that, with the steps. So I don't have the fourth edition, but I know it says something about modem to modem, which is already like outdated. Um, but basically it just says that we're growing and we're changing and we're adapting with the times. And hello, I'm on a podcast doing Big Book. And how cool is that? And you can get meetings online and you can make amends directly face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball across the world on FaceTime or Skype. And who knows what's going to be down the road. But the reality is I have to keep the core the same. I have three children. And no offense to any members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I pray to God that we never end up having to go down this journey if they do. I will know the guidance of how to do that and how to stay out of that. But what I do hope, if any of my family members or close people come here, is that they don't get a watered-down version of Alcoholics Anonymous. That when they are greeted at the door, they are welcomed, they are not judged, and they are offered the solution out of the book immediately. 
They are not told by well-meaning people that they are not ready to get sober or to get healthy or to grow spiritually or to get connected to their higher power. I want them to feel that this is a place that has hope and a solution. I didn't like when people watered down my alcohol and I don't want people to water down my AA. So next week we're going to be starting on the doctor's opinion. It is where step one is from. It is juicy and meaty and I cannot wait. Thank you for your time and please excuse my dog in the background and my hot tea slurping and I'm grateful for the opportunity. I hope you have an awesome day. It's your choice.